Max White, everyone. See something funny. It wasn't funny! I guess I'll just call it Max White Presents. I guess it's decent. Yeah, Max White Presents will work. And we're live, Max White Presents, in London, England. This will be the final episode here. We have a great guest today. We have a Canadian London comic, Chris Betts. How's it going? Yeah, good, man. You? Doing well, sir. We did a podcast the other night here, but uh, it was in the wee hours. <laughs> I barely remember that. And now it's broad daylight, and we're back in the flat, the Airbnb two-bedroom, no Wi-Fi joint in Shoreditch, London. What's going on, man? Hey, not much. This is like the first conversation I've had today. I, spent, I, I missed you in, in Pred earlier because I was just staring out into the the wilderness the yeah there's a coffee shop below the flat and apparently he was in there um were you getting ready for uh, uh this this comprehensive interview or yeah you, i was studying up i was going over my 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 biography notes your, your, your agenda <laughs> you want to make sure you mention all your musical guests yeah. spots and uh apparently i walked right by him and then you didn't even see me in there but if that that Preda Manja, that's or that's owned by McDonald's. They're everywhere. Here. Yeah, it was like it was like a cool little sandwich alternative to fast food for a while. And they like they make everything fresh in the day. And at the end of the day, they give all whatever's left to homeless people. And it's like they've got a, a work program for like homeless people and ex offenders, uh, where you learn how to work it, and then they hire out of that. So, like, it's a cool company. Uh, and McDonald's is like, oh, that's a cool company. We'll just buy that. <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna get rid of all the goodwill part of that. <laughs> and then they and then they like. They Starbucksed everybody, so they started showing up next door to other sandwich shops and shutting yeah. them down. Yeah, it's like they'd have a ton of sales and lower all the prices. They Walmarted people. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah. They, uh, that's how you know you have a really good business though, is when you don't have to put your own name on it anymore. Just don't make a bunch of money. Like uh, when we were in Seattle, and the Starbucks there aren't even like a lot of them aren't even called Starbucks anymore. They're called like Joe's Coffee Shop. Oh yeah, just incognito. Yeah, just slang the man. Dude. Kind of got to admire that in some weird way, but it's so like weirdly cynical. <laughs> like we're gonna get you, <laughs> Jesus! And they're doing pop-ups out here too. Oh, got, they do pop-ups. Like, corporations that, like open up little pop-up shops, and it's like, oh, it's just this cool little hipster couple. It's like, no, 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 this is like Monsanto. <laughs> oh my god, this is GMO directly yeah. fed into this pop-up. You adorable hipster that can't do Fucking research. Weird, yeah. That's so crazy. That it's it would be the equivalent of like if you're like. I don't want you to make a gym reference because I don't go to the gym. But it would be like someone standing over at the gym like doing like five more lifts than you, just <laughs> staring at you. And then like all the girls going to you. It's probably a pretty bad analogy, actually. Yeah, I don't understand that analogy Can't all be dimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and moving on. Uh, so the other night we had uh, uh, some drinks. We had the night off from gigs. Did you gig that night, Saturday night? Yeah, yeah. I was at, a, oh, I was at, I was at Top Secret. That's right, Top Secret. We were hanging out. Then we yeah, then we went over there. Oh, no. Sorry, I was at ca- comedy cafe. Okay, confusing yeah. Nights, yeah. So we were there, and then we went to uh, uh, a lovely comic, Ashley Hayden's local uh, pub. Heartwarmer. The com- heartwarming <laughs> comic, who you'll hear on the bonus episode. He's is he Cockney? Or is that just Eastern? I think he's he's definitely London. He might be Cockney. You don't hear the London accent that much anymore. Because so. they told me what Pete White, another comic, told me what Cockney. Did you hear that definition of if you could hear the bells? From that certain area, there's a church down there oh, in East yeah. London. And if you can hear the bells ring at night, technically you're a Cockney. Ah, uh, that's right. Yeah, but like it's. I think that's the old school. And then when when London got super gentrified, because it's like a mall now, like it's yeah. not like a city anymore. For sure. There's like no energy. I don't know how you found it coming from New York. But like when I come here, this is like when I'm when I'm in London. When I'm in New York, I feel like it's intense, but everyone's got like a place to be, and there's like yeah. no electricity to it. But when I'm in in London, it's more like everyone's got this vibe of like I just don't want to die today. <laughs> this this neighborhood is it, it, like where we're staying shortage is swapped out for Williamsburg, Brooklyn. It's so similar. 
and it ten years ago it was like the coolest. Yeah, fuck place. that's you might how get stabbed on any corner. That's but how Williamsburg was too. Stuff. But now it's like you know, uh, uh, finance guys dressed in like skateboard clothes. Yeah, completely. And you're just like, whoa. With the, Starbucks calling itself Joe. Yeah, Starbucks Joe's and Pradat Manja now not even fitting homeless people. Uh, they don't care about the sex offenders <laughs> that they're hiring or anything like that. No. <laughs> Have, did you? Were, did was the Italian girl wait on you down there? Uh, the one that was she always dances at you. No, I, I had a I had a, a very efficient black woman. Oh, yeah, she was there too today, but because okay. it's directly blessed being around there. Uh, I have to make up my mind before I walk in. I can't loiter and look on what I want to get on the menu because she just hits you with a barrage of songs in terms of like, do you want a cappuccino, a latte, oh, or whatever? Sure. She's just it's too too. She's too hyped for too <laughs> early in the morning. I, I love that she loves her station in life, but yeah. I'm a comedian. Like I don't. I'm not a person until 6 or 7 p.m. Yeah, please just leave me alone. I just, I yeah, <laughs> I want to just stare at something and uh, not be assaulted by song and dance. That's why I missed you. I spent the whole time sitting and staring out the window there trying to trying to see if I could see any fat or ugly people because I've lived here for four years and I've never seen one in shortage. And it's fascinating to me that you could have a geographic area without either of those things. Even the teeth, the teeth are good here too. It's, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. it's popping off all London stereotypes, just <laughs> breaking them like a tackle. Is I can't. It, oh, back to the cognitive things. Everybody got shoved out to the sides. So, uh, so, like, so it's like American. So you've been cities. hearing about Essex people, right? Oh yeah, those that's, are Cockneys. That's oh, all the Cockneys moved east. Okay. Because it was really cheap out there, and it was kind of the woods. And Essex is like what all the comics here that make. It's like in New York when comics make Jersey jokes. Yeah, kind of. But then when like all the rich people, like, like celebrity comics around, they're like, "Do you realize how dope Jersey is? <laughs> like, this is where we all live." Essex <laughs> lacks dopeness. <laughs> There's just zero dopeness. There's lots of spray tans coming from Essex and yeah, yeah, yeah. and like mom jeans, but with the mom belly that pops over the top. That's yeah, they're all about it. It's like, like a, a deep orange uh, spray on tan color. Yeah, it really a, does it for me. It's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> Do you think it's possible to condition yourself to be attracted to that look? I think you could be. Con- uh, um, to anything. Ooh, show me, <laughs> show <laughs> me, master. <laughs> no, I think I think it's like you maybe have to see it from like when you were a kid. Like so, if these are the people that like that were hot around you, and it's like like if all the girls that you went to school with were orange, yeah, and everybody was like, ah, oh, Stacy. Oh, I met a Stacy for the first time in six years the other day. I was what? Like, oh, fuck, I forgot that was a name. <laughs> oh, they don't have Stacy's here. No, they don't do Stacy's here at all. Oh my god, is that the one thing you miss? <laughs> That's Tamar. Tamar, are you leaving? Yeah. All right. Did you have sex with two girls yesterday, two days ago? We saw two pairs of shoes in the hall. That means four legs. Tamar Catan, ladies and gentlemen. We're proud of you. We're 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 proud of you. While we were drinking wine and podcasting, you were actually being a man. (laughs) Bye, Tamar. That was our my flatmate Tamara Catan who just uh, went to go get some food and stuff. Very interesting shit in London is yeah. what we do here. Food and stuff, big time. So background wise, where are you from originally? Uh, just outside Vancouver, a little um, suburb called White Rock. White Rock. It has a literal huge White Rock. What What's the comedy scene like in White Rock? Uh, nothing. Like even the people aren't funny. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's just terrible. Bleak and like, gray. It's just like the, it's a super earnest place. Okay. Like when I watch um, Edward Scissorhands, like that suburb, yeah, that like feels like home. Like Holy it's, shit! Nailed it. It's fucking mansion insane. on a hill. Uh, lacking, lacking, like the Vincent Price that would have given it a bit of character. Uh, it's, it's just weird people who like care about their lawns a lot. Yeah, and, and <clears throat> was that Winona Ryder in that? Mm-hmm. Oh, amazing! Yeah. 
when, when I found out she shoplifted, remember that whole thing? Yeah. When she got caught, uh, that did it for me. That was the best thing she'd done in years. Yeah, I was like, that oh, was, God, was, never mind her acting career. Just yeah. shoplift more. <laughs> shoplift more and then give us Stranger Things 20 years later. Yeah, and, and then deny it when you get caught like a nine-year-old delinquent would like, <laughs> no, they gave it to me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the worst thing ever. So then what? Where did you start doing comedy? Uh, Montreal. Oh, so what brought you from Vancouver to Montreal? I went over there for uh, to go to university in a, a, a an aborted attempt at um, living like a person. Ah, uh-uh. yeah. I, th- I thought I'd give it a shot. It didn't work out. Yeah, it's on that Kanye kick. You're like, yeah. drop out. I'm gone. <laughs> Couldn't stop listening to those first three albums. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> Just college dropout, late registration. Like I'm living my life, mom. We're doing it. What? Bernie do- Max screaming at me. <laughs> You know that's not Bernie Mac on that album. Fuck off! I swear to God, who is that? It's just this random guy. We like one day I was, we were talking about it because I was like, oh, Bernie Mac. Like uh, Bernie Mac's my favorite comic of all time, and um, I, uh, I don't know about best of all time, but he's amazing. Oh, dude. Well, like I only think of him in one capacity, and that's that Apollo night when he goes, "I ain't scared of you, motherfuckers." Unbelievable. I watched that once a day. Yeah. One time, a girl was being passive aggressive with me, and while I was at her apartment. Like I, I hate passive aggression. It's like my least favorite form of. You can of, never live here. It's oh god, is it? Is it somewhere to Seattle freeze? But while she was trying to passive aggress me, she uh, I I got on her laptop and put on the Bernie Mac. I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. And she's like, I'm really being an asshole right now because you just put on comedy to make yourself feel better. And I didn't realize it was a natural defense. It's like sorry. Some people pick their nails. You Google Bernie Mac. Yeah. And then I just look at you and it's like, it's scary motherfuckers. Yeah. And then grab my dick and say, I'm blessed. I'm like, he does. I'm blessed. Sex ain't nothing but 50 pumps. Yeah. It's Dude, yeah. Ain't nothing but 50 pumps. Take a look. If you ain't got nothing better to do. And I ain't messing around. <laughs> and I'm blessed. All right. We should stop going through the whole thing. Um, what? Uh, so Quebec is in. Montreal, or sorry, Montreal's in Quebec. Montreal's in Quebec. You're in, you're in Montreal, and yeah. then you're like, what? Open mic night happens, or what? Yeah, well, it was, I, I wanted to do stand up since I was like six. Oh, cool. Yeah, like Same. Since, yeah. I, I remember seeing it on TV and just going, yes, that, like forever, 100%. Yeah. But, um, but I didn't want to do it until, because I, even like as a kid, I like hated people that were boring. Okay. And so I was like, well, I know that I don't have anything to say because I'm from White Rock, and like, you know, my, my dad was a, 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 like a TV repairman who like worked his way up in like sales of fiber optics and shit like that and my mom was like human resources so it was just like a like a middle class like working yeah family and i was like i don't know shit and so i just left and i was like, I'm not, i don't want to do stand-up until i feel like i have something at least worth saying yeah not necessarily like political but like a, a point of view that's worth standing in front of a room full of people yeah like life experience happen. yeah something like that that's amazing because in New York, you see, I mean, everywhere you see a lot of comedy babies, but like in New York, there's a higher concentration of them because it's like, you know, they're the 16 year old kid that's like, oh, shit. yeah, like I'm going to go to the city and do open mics today. And you see it. And I mean, they could be technically the best comic in the world, but they have nothing to draw from. So when they're like, so it's good, my dick suck. You're like, no, you, you weren't. You weren't you were, at all. Yeah, you're at your mom. <laughs> yeah. and, and the 40 year old guy that's going next is going to say the same thing. He's lying too. Yeah. <laughs> but at least he, he knows how to make it sound like it's somewhat approachable. Yeah. It's like that real virgin scene and he's like you know yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right that's interesting because that's how i felt i've always like been a fan so i was like eight younger my, like, i grew up watching def jam because my mom and like everybody mm. they'd always have def jam comedy out when my cousins were in everybody yeah and so that was like and then you you know mix it with like don rickles and stuff like that too yeah, unbelievable. but then it got to a point where i was like man I, I would always watch comedy be a fan of it and then like thinking about seeing other comics perform and you're like Okay, I'm starting to have things to say. Yeah. And you're kind of building it up. Do you remember the first thing that you thought where it was like, oh, that's a bit? 
Oh man, it was a story. This is yeah, it's bad. Um, it's a story as to why I'm not comfortable in locker rooms. Okay. And it's uh, where I think like at a party, male nudity or in a movie is fucking amazing. Like if you're just full frontal nudity in a movie, like that forgetting uh, Sarah Marshall movie, I went with my girlfriend at the time. I thought it was gonna be like an awful movie, but that yeah. first scene with Jason uh, Siegel, yeah. yeah. It's like dick out. I'm like, oh, this guy committed. Like yeah, yeah, uh, that's yeah. hilarious to me. Yeah. But in a locker room sense, you know the dudes in the locker room that stand and they're like way too comfortably and naked. Yeah, yeah. They like put a leg up, like you know, on they'll a put their shirt on first. Yeah. Guys, oh, yeah. which there's nothing more frightening <laughs> on earth than just a uh, adult man with just a shirt on, dick out. It's awful. Yeah. But I, I I went to swimming lessons, and basically you had to like r- go through the shower and to get to the pool you had to take a shower. Yeah. But I slipped in the shower and I fucking slammed into some old fat guy's dick. Oh. <laughs> And so the bit is that not even belly first, like no, you got under the no, because that was perfect, and it oh, just shit. It, it was like his entire crotch had a gravitational pull, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and then so that was my I'm like that's a funny story, you know, and it worked, and then you know then you get better as an open micer, and you're like, oh, here's an act out, and you're like, oh Jesus, oh, and then, <laughs> but I just did a show when I was uh, home visiting, I don't know, like three or four months ago. This hotel that does shows and then I give comics a free hotel room. I love it. Some yeah. people hate on it, but I think it's really fun. Yeah. Um, but I, I closed the night cause with that first bit I ever did because it oh, never worked yeah. there whenever I did it. And yeah. then I was like, because I, you know, I'm yeah, so done, done some more shows. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that was my, what was yours? Uh, mine was like, it was about, the premise was, I, I think that if you, if you work hard for something, you'll appreciate it a lot more than if someone just gives it to you. And that's why I assume that kidnappers probably appreciate kids way more than biological parents do. <laughs> well, it was like the first time you like, now when you, before you went on, did you write every word down? I still do. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Nail it all down like that? Kinda and then, yeah, like I'll talk it out for like a couple weeks first. Yeah. Or like, like however long it is to figure it out. And then um, like just to myself, I wander around town and I just mumble my jokes to myself. Yeah. And then every time, cause I'll have like a loose idea. And then I'll just talk out loud about it to myself. And okay. every time I make myself laugh, then that's like a, that's the way that the joke's going to go. Oh. And so by the time, <clears throat> by the time it's gotten to stage, like every sentence has made me laugh. Okay. And so then when I'm delivering my new stuff, I feel more comfortable, but also because it's like, I know I think it's funny. It might not be funny to anybody else, but at least it's funny to me. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen you perform a few times now and you're very comfortable up there. And the top secret when there's like over... I think Mark said there's like 220 or more the other night. Yeah, about that, yeah. Top Secret Comedy Club is one of the best comedy clubs I've ever seen in the world. So much fun. It's insane. It. And yeah, every set I've seen you do there is absolutely just ripped. But like even a comic goes before, which is like you're not low energy by any means, but the comic that went before you, which was the Clayton. Clayton Jennings. Yeah. So he's like, I mean, he had like props on stage and he had the letters and stuff and he yeah, was like yelling right. at people. And then you went up and like very comfortable sitting in your own, like you're not going to change just because the person before you was, you know, a certain energy yeah. level. No, I'm, I'm a big fan of bringing people to me. <laughs> is that learned, you think, or is that something you always on, I remember the moment that I saw it happen. Okay. Where it was a, you ever hear David Hetty? No. David Hetty is a fucking genius. Okay. Like, everyone listening, check out It Was Okay by David Hetty. He's one of the best joke writers I've ever heard. He's like, his stuff is dark. This is all, like, unbelievable. But... So goddamn funny. And I remember watching him at that Grumpy show. I was telling you about the five-hour open mic that was in yeah. Montreal. Yeah. It's, like, horrific. It was known in Canada as the worst place to do stand-up in Canada. And I remember him going up, and he's, like, really quiet and just beautiful one-liners. But you have to hear every word. Yeah. And he, uh, <clears throat> he, he I remember just watching him stand there and just be really quiet and just, like, kind of almost whisper. 
while everyone's talking full bar volume because it's in the main room of the bar. Yeah. And just with every joke, he'd leave a long pause in between and then he'd go into the next one and gradually the whole room quieted down because there was something about the confidence of speaking that quietly and that deliberately in such a rowdy room. That they're like, well, he must at least have something to say. Wow. And I, if his jokes hadn't been as good as they were, then they would have started talking again over him. But because <clears throat> every time they listen, they're like, oh, Jesus, it's amazing. That's incredible. Anyway, so I could never have the confidence to do that. Yeah, this is like a that changed my whole way of doing stand up. And like, how good do you have to be? Like, how many times did you have to fail to learn that? You think? Oh, Jesus, years. That's 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 <laughs> insane. I I gotta look it up now. That is he Canadian? Yeah, yeah. Nice. But he tours the states. He was really good. Like um, I, like he, Stan Hope had him on his podcast recently. Like he's starting to get oh, a fan base there. Like, damn, that's awesome. Really good. Did you uh, uh read the uh, Stan Hope's book? Mm. I'm already at. I'm gonna read it this Christmas. Uh, my because friend Graham, a dying mom over Christmas sounds dude, like a fucking yeah. Great no, my fr- uh, friend Graham, who has a show, uh, it's actually uh, uh, Bushwick Bears in New York. Uh, he's a nurse, and he was Doug Stanhope's attending his mother's attending nurse in oh. Arizona, and he's mentioned by name in it. Now oh, he's a comic cool. in New York. Okay. It's pretty crazy though, but it's weird because Graham was talking about. He's telling me that uh, being with Stanhope and his mother like changed his entire view on dying. Oh wow! Because like apparently there's a part of the book, and I haven't read the whole thing. I just read certain excerpts, but there's a point where um they they're like you know you need to stop smoking, stop drinking, and like Stan Hope and his mother just started laughing. They're like no, <laughs> and Grant's been saying that like but people that actually believe it. Yeah, it's weird how there's like we're all pre-programmed to believe certain things, but then there's like outliers that are like no, not not who like sat and thought about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like but and they're like thoughtful people. They're not just like hillbillies. Like ah fuck it, hold yeah. my beer, watch this. But like actual like I fully understand why. That's that like um, I love that line in Beer Hole Putsch where he's talking about his mom dying, and they're like you can't take that ship with you, like have your fucking yeah. <laughs> white Russians which you were drinking. It's like have your white. Who cares? Just get hammered. This is like you die. You want to die how you want to die if you get the shot. I love that dude. It's yeah. such a good. He uh, did shows where I'm from before as a comic, and uh, apparently he uh, he just asked like the local MC at the comedy club uh, for the opener instead of bringing an opener. He just said, uh, "Who's a comic um, that?" The crowd doesn't always like, but all the comics love. Uh, yeah. And so, like, that's who his opener was. And it's like that. Damn. That's David Hetty. Oh, really? That's <laughs> amazing. How, what, like, what were your influences, like, starting comedy-wise? Uh, like, when I, I mean, when I was a kid, I used to, like, when I was really little, I loved uh, Emo Phillips. Because uh, there's, in Canada, at 3 p.m. every day, I don't know if it's the case anymore, but 3 p.m., there was always the Just for Laughs, like, compilation show. Yeah. So it was, like, uh, Kevin Meany, uh, Emo Phillips, uh, Bernie Mac, um, John Panette. Okay. Remember John Panette? Yeah, yeah, so, wow. He's like, I went back, I was so desperate for him not to be awful, and I still like, uh, uh, his, his, his subject matter isn't like for me, but you watch me, you're like, what a fucking pro. Like, this guy was really good at stand-up. I bet he could just walk in and rock a room, even though it was like, I'm really fat. Yeah. For like an hour. But just, <laughs> what is it about stand-up where you don't have to actually like what they're saying, but you have to, like, we, the other night we saw this, we don't have to mention names, but yeah, man, like, you're like, damn, there's some people that are like, you can work a room like how a guitarist works a guitar. Yeah, completely. They just understand what it is to be in a comedy club. And they can just ratchet up the perfect time. I mean, it's... It. Yeah, it's just incredible. And like, have so many different gears that, like, I, I, I think of, a, a, I got stand-up in like a, a, like a martial arts sense. Okay. The way of like all the best martial artists, uh, they don't just do one thing. They learn like seven different styles and then they pull all the things that come most natural to them. Yeah. And then they make their own and then they're like unstoppable because they're just doing them, but they know all these different ways. Yeah. And that's the same for stand ups, man. 
And you can just like it's like you can uh, like crowd work or whoever you are. Because that's where like when I started, I was like really crowd work heavy. Um, but then you can like. It's like just adding more and more tools to the toolbox. Completely, yeah. And you kind of shelf yeah. it. But then when you see guys that are like, we were talking about this the other night too, like uh, low energy comics that are like pro low energy comics. Yeah. I think kids or new people start um, and they're like, oh, I'm going to be this way. I'm going to be like Mitch Hedberg off the bat. Mm. But then when like the time calls for it, if like those guys get hecklers and they want to deal with them, you turn, you see them turn into like cheetahs. Or, that was, I, did I tell you I saw Emo Phillips this summer? No. I saw him at Just for Laughs. Oh man, I'd love to see him. Oh, he's up. He's gotten so much better than even he was. Like he's amazing, oh, and damn. he was he was doing it, and there was like the crowd was kind of with him and then against him, and he just started going into the crowd. And I never pictured him for a crowd work guy. Yeah, because he's got that nervous energy that seems so authentic. I mean, it's clearly a character. Yeah, but it seems like it comes from a real place. Like he's, okay. he doesn't seem comfortable Definitely. with people. And so when he started going into the crowd, he was so quick, so sharp. And there was like a twelve-year-old and a nine-year-old in the crowd with their mom. Who are clearly seen as like TV friendly stuff, but when yeah. you see him live, he's dark as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but he started walking this beautiful line with like, like kind of fucking with the twelve year old to get a reaction out of the mom, but never crossing the line where she'd walk, but pushing it right to the edge and then bringing it back. I was like, that's a skill that I did not expect you to have. But you forget, like you just work the clubs. Yeah. Like he was in, he was in Boston. He was probably doing the ding ho, <laughs> just dealing with like real bullshit. As this, like, delicate, silly, yeah. <laughs> like, quirky guy. Yeah, yeah. So we had to build up those. those. Uh, have, have you done shows that are family-friendly before? No. Oh, my God. So I got, there's a club in there's a club in New York, and uh, they're like, hey, do you want to come do spots tonight? We need fill-ins. I was like, yeah, no problem. I never worked this club before. So I go there. It's in Times Square. It's not the one we're thinking of. It's the other one. Uh, I'll be more specific afterwards. <laughs> okay. But uh, so I show up, whatever though, and like she's like, okay, like we'll do a. I think it was like there's two shows, so two fifty minutes spots. Like, right, awesome, sweet. As we're walking, she's walking me in the green room, and I'm up in like ten minutes. She goes, yeah, I didn't know you're family friendly. We could add so much more work for you. And I just like look back at the manager, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like I'm not family friendly at all. <laughs> but it's one of those choices in stand up where you're like, okay, do I fucking just tell them and then you know whatever, yeah. or do I'm like, I could do this <laughs> <laughs> every time. So there I have ten minutes. I'm in the green room. I'm going through all my notes. And I'm going, nope, 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 nope. Did the spots, and I walk out. And I'm like family friendly. And I'm like, all right, like. It's New York City. Like, come on. It's not going to be families. It's like 11 o'clock on like a Thursday night. Oh, Jesus. There's fucking kids. Dude. There's Finnish kids. Finnish kids? Finnish kids front row with their mom drinking. And I'm like, oh, fuck. That paints a terrible picture of Finland. Yeah. <laughs> right? But then like. <laughs> I was in Estonia doing gigs recently. And they're like, man, Finnish people are fucking rednecks. <laughs> they were shitting all over the Finns. Yeah, so maybe that's a thing. No, I don't know. But I love that. Not to jump off. But like there's. Oh, dude, you think. Uh, it's not racism. Geo prejudice is bad in the United States. Oh, my God. If you're from 10 miles north of London, you're called the but Newcastle Geordies. Oh yeah, dude! Everybody, everybody from every like different town ten miles away is a piece of shit. Like, yeah, to whoever you ask. <laughs> like, yeah, hate each other. Oh, I love that about it. It's so funny to hear. But uh, no, so I did it, and like it went fine. It got last to where he did though. But yeah. there's like, it's pretty much like the the premise to all the bits, but you can't crank it up more. You know what I mean? Like you're just telling the stories and you know doing yeah. it. And I did fine as whatever though. But uh, is it, what is it about stand-ups where like normally you'd be like, hey, listen, this isn't. It's like. If you're an airplane mechanic, mm. and then they're like, hey, you want to come fix my car for money? Mm. And then you're like, as you get there, you're like, wait, there's a car working on airplanes. <laughs> and then they're like, do I tell them or don't I? But what is it about stand-up where you're like, 
I can do this. Well, I mean, first, I think there's like much lower stakes than like fixing a car or an airplane. I don't know, man. <laughs> no. Finnish people have Twitter too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but they're tweeting with umlauts. Who cares? <laughs> but uh, uh, I think, I don't know. I think like because we purposely try to take things that people disagree with and then make them agree with them. That's like a huge part of stand up. Yeah. So the whole thing is like, I don't think you're going to like this. I'm going to make you like this. Yeah, it's like, I'm going to force it too. And I remember there was a, a, a mom in the crowd drinking at her table. Like, she had like two and three and four like glasses. And this is a 15 minute set. She's fucking pounding them. Jesus. Is this the one with the two kids? Yeah, yeah. This is the finish lady with the two kids. And I was like, oh, your mom's a sauce monster. Like, so is my dad. <laughs> like, and like, relating to her though. And then I'm like, having a great time. Everyone's laughing. But then I'm like, I look over and I see like the one of the MCs that's there. And, uh, I think he was waiting for me to like fuck up, like to like, you know what I mean? Oh, so, because wow. he was like, well, it's it's new. There, there's there's these groups of comics in New York that you'll never see in your entire life, and they only work like one specific club, and that's it. Oh yeah, yes, and the, the, they might be sixty years old, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. They have the same ten minute, like you know, and the guy I'm thinking about particularly, I can see him, and uh, he sucks. Yeah, <laughs> like, like signposts. I yeah. always think of those guys as like wrong way signs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like yeah. I remember his like, it's like wait. He's like, I've been doing comedy for 29 years. And you're fucking here? Like, <laughs> like. I wouldn't tell anybody. Yeah, that. it's like, ah, oh, you might want to, like, rebrand yourself and maybe get a fucking show name and say you just started over and you're just super comfortable at one year. Yeah. That's what I'd say. <laughs> is it, um, I, I, one thing I like about the UK, too, is, like, uh, years-wise, I'm, like, relatively new comic, under two years. Oh, yeah. But, like, show-wise, because I do show counts here, is, like, I'm, there's over, like, 950 just after my first year. Yeah, that's amazing. And so, yeah, well, it's like, thanks, but, like, it's. But, like, at home, I'm sure it's everywhere. People are like, I've been doing comedy for 12 years. Well, how often do you get up once a month? Yeah. Is it – it just seems like England judges by different standards, and I, I like that. Maybe not different, but, like – In what – like, what, how do you see them? Well, like, people, like, they, they value how many shows a person's on, not how long they've been doing comedy, air quotes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess – I mean, more than anything, um, they value how funny you are, which I really like. Yeah. This is like one of the few things that I've ever done. I've had a bunch of weird jobs, but this is the only one where people are like, were you good at this or not? And if you're not, you can kind of go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like that. Yeah. And like, I, I think it's weird that people count their shows. I don't get that personally. Yeah. But like I try to gig. I mean, it's impossible to do that many gigs in the UK. But the yeah. That you were saying. Yeah. Like I'm out five, six days a week. Yeah. Like seven if I can. But it's it's tougher. A bunch of rooms are shutting down. And even a double up's hard here to do two in a night. Double Versus New York, so you can do four to eight, something like that. They're like, yeah. they're like thousands of comics out here. Like, in London? Like, in, well, there's probably like hundreds in London and I'd say like a few, I'd say, I want to say like two or three thousand that are at least either working pros or going for showcase spots. Wow. And then if you toss open micers into that, it's chaos. It's a whole, like it's, it's the, it's Lichtenstein. Do, do you get a lot of actors like crossing over like when the weather's yeah. nice? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, how New York is. Summer versus winter. I think if anyone visits New York, they should come in the winter if they want to do like a bunch of spots and like open mics and stuff too. Oh shit, I never thought about it as Just, a weather thing. Oh, it's amazing. Like oh, the man. first nice day, it's like, fuck, you're like, who are these people? Like there's people that'll do their... They might have a scene for CSI like the next day, so they'll just read their lines, and you're like, "What no. the fuck?" And then the very <laughs> there's a, a comic in um, New York, uh, and Jimmy, and he has this like hashtag Fairweather Comics because he runs a bunch of shows and mics, oh, yeah. and he's like, "Weather sucks. It's finally back to normal comedians in the uh, city, like because the people just they don't." Jesus, I mean, it's that's a weird it, migration. It's that it's so weird. Yeah, it's like you'll get like you know the actors and much other people. A lot of improv people come through, which is cool. We've been to yeah, and then uh, but the winter it's just like. The, the serious people. Like, wow. yeah. I mean, there's always fuck-offs, but... Yeah, well, I guess it's like, 
getting up when it's dark out of four out of bed and like going into town for an hour, waiting for an hour and a half to jump on, doing five and then maybe hanging out for another four hours. Like that's not a that's not a fair weather activity. No, definitely. Well and the cool thing about New York and, and uh, that I like about at least Mike's wise is like you, everyone there that hosts him for the most part understands that we're all trying to get better, so you don't uh-huh. generally have to hang out. Oh, uh, you can just nice. do like the rule is usually one one before one after, so you like you know oh, time you're going right. up. You're like yeah. watch one, watch four, and you hang out when you can. I mean, not to yeah. be a dick. I mean, you see people all the time. They're like, can I get up next? You know, in there. Yeah. But I mean, you just you can run around. You can literally run across the street, do a mic, come back, do a show, run get a mic. Do, you're working on new ideas. So yeah, I think. Yeah. So everyone respects that you're working. Exactly. That's yeah, nice. yeah, for yeah. sure. But like where I'm from, when I first got to New York, I would sit through and watch. I think I made a lot of good relationships because I, I do enjoy watching comedy. Yeah. And so you just kind of sit through and watch them all because you want to see your friends, stuff like that. Yeah, completely. I, I love I, like, I love watching. I, I'd rather watch – actually, I was going to say I'd rather watch when I've done poorly yeah. because I want to see someone else do well to see what I missed. Okay. But I think I, I really love watching also like when I've done well and watch someone who's totally different from me also do really well. Yeah. Because I'm still fascinated by like the way that people will work a different room with such different styles. And so like I had I had a fucking rough one like three weeks ago where like it went okay but not not nearly as well as it should have. Yeah. And I wasn't sure why. And then I watched the last act go up and it was like he went more into the crowd than I did and kind of pulled it out of him. Yeah. I was like, oh shit, so that's what they wanted. Cool. That's yeah, like he did it. Watching these different things. So I think like there's so much to be gained from watching. That's something that in New York, do clubs just let you in if you're like a brand yeah. new comic to yeah. watch? Yeah, anybody. Yeah, for, with the exception of Cellar, just because it's sold out all the time, though. Okay. But all of them, if they say you're a comic, they'll let you in for sure. Fuck, that's cool, because in Montreal, it's the same. Yeah, yeah. And like, when, I was, when I was open micing, it was like my buddy Sean and I uh, would show up every Friday and Saturday. We'd do the early show at the Comedy Nest, late show at the Comedy Works. And we just watch and watch and watch and watch because you got to watch pros. It's, yeah. Otherwise, you, you think you're amazing because you're surrounded by open micers. For sure. And then you show up in a club, you're like, oh, I couldn't be worse. Yeah, definitely. And so seeing that every every weekend was huge. But then I came to uh, London and clubs just don't do that. That's what one of my friends is a New York comic and he's like, uh, you know, it, it's way different when you get to London. You, you're not going to be able to watch any shows. And like my, my experience here has been like the opposite of that. But I'm here doing shows for two and a half weeks, and I, you know, met a lot of people. Yeah. But I think he just kind of showed up and was like, "Hey, can I like come in the go to the comedy store and watch?" Like, who the fuck are you? No. Yeah. yeah. And so that's I don't know. It's weird. The but at co- the same time, like, there's, yeah, there's no sense of uh, community in that way here. Yeah. Which is a shame. It's I like when you're like rubbing shoulders with the pros. Like at least in New York, it's amazing because a lot of them, like if you know them, they're like, "Oh, how are mics today? Like, did you do some mics before you came here? Okay, I got to go up and do the spot, destroy 15 minutes, and then come back and talk." Because everyone, the curve is so much sharper. I think in New York, not not for everybody, but a lot of people, you, you can see where you want to go immediately. You know, like you can see the person that you're like, "Wow, that's." You know, like, I can see what he's doing and how he's doing it. I can't wait to be that good. Dude, that's so, like, the UK ruins what would what would have been some of their best comics. Yeah. Because uh, uh, it's more, like, working towards TV here. So there, oh. there aren't many people that want to be amazing comics. There are a lot of people that want to be on TV. Okay. And so what ends up happening is the people that are, like, showing real promise and marketable end up getting, like, TV spots. And then once they start getting TV spots, then they start touring bigger places once they start doing that, then their agents don't let them play clubs anymore because they're worried that that will affect the draw for the theater shows. And so they're never at mics. Like, the overlap of mics and pros is non-existent here. They're never there. Wow. And so there's a, a – and also, like, I was talked out of doing mics when I was breaking into being a pro 
because apparently some promoters were checking Twitter, and if they saw that you were being on mics, then they were like, well, if he's doing it for free, then why should I pay him? Which is Ooh. such a fucking stupid That's way. That's so dumb. Like, I'm working. Like, you got to do... But it made a huge difference. I stopped doing mics for two weeks, and then clubs started booking me through the roof. Really? Yeah. So That's it was, crazy. I mean, it might have been a coincidence, but if it was, it was a weird one. You get, like, on any given day, you'll have the biggest names in comedy doing open mics in New York. Like, they'll just drop in, and they'll be like, hey, do you care if I get on this one? And they're like, yeah. And, and then yeah. It's, what's really cool is... I saw one guy once go, uh, like, they're like, hey, do more time. He said, five minutes. He's like, no. Like, no. He's like, I did my five. Thanks, guys. So nice. And he left. But then as he's leaving, he, I, like, I over him say the host. And he's like, dude, you could have done more. He's like, dude, I think that's rude. And plus, I don't want to, the potential future host of The Tonight Show could be in this room. I'm not going to piss anybody yeah. off. And I was like, <laughs> that's so funny to say that, especially if you're on top looking down at, like, a room full of eager open micers. Yeah, and you never know. Yeah, Because he totally. was there, too. 100%. Yeah, I love yeah. that, though. That's, that's interesting. And then. Well, because when I first came over here, too, open mic is a negative term to even where I'm from. A lot of people kind of hate it, but I always liked it. Like, we did, like, first year we did a thing called Open Mic or Tour. We went, we tried to, we went around the Midwest to, like, the worst open mics. Yeah. But while we were doing that, the biggest clubs started having us. Like, Acme Comic Club in Minneapolis was like, we have an open mic, come do it. Oh, sick. Over 200 people on, like, a Monday or Tuesday night, come oh, and watch so this. Fun. Yeah, it was amazing. And so we did this whole thing going around, and then um, people were like, oh, open mic. I'm like, that's, that's kind of funny because it's like being an athlete. Damn it, that's two gym references. Like, what are you going to fucking... You've been running. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay, it, you're running. Yeah, you're not going to go running. But that's it's weird how... But then, yeah, anyway, so that Comedy Collective Facebook group. Oh, yeah. Uh, that That's a London thing, which they have somewhere in the States or whatever, though. But uh, when I was asking people about, oh, Mike's so like, wait, what? I'm like, no, we don't really have those. And people are like, no, come do this show. And I'm like, no, where's the fucking show up? Go up, Mike. I want to I see one in London. I still have not seen one. Do they have them here? Well, that's what even... Like, Tonight Mike's, will. Tonight. Mike, Mike's don't want to call themselves Mike's. Weird. Because there's like a, there's a there's a shitty draw to it, but then that fucks it up because when they call themselves comedy shows, but they're not charging, and everyone's doing five, and they're new comics or they're working stuff out, but then the host doesn't say, guys, this is a new material night, yeah, we're working stuff out. This is like because we, like this is uh, I haven't found the right joke for this yet, but I, I I always think of this as like musicians are musicians can practice at home, yeah, actors can practice at home to a degree. Um, at sculptors, painters, everybody else can practice at home. We need to fail in front of people. Yeah. You need to see disappointment on people's faces and regret words as they come out of your mouth. Yes. I think that's amazing. Vital to anything. It's <laughs> probably the most vital. Yeah. I think it's really fucking cool, but if the host doesn't set that up, then the people that are there are like, why is everybody so shitty? And they're not in that like good goodwill of like, oh, people are trying stuff out. Let's all get on board and see what's going to happen. Like win or lose, we're going to have a good time. Yeah. So if the, if the MC doesn't set that shit up and they're like, oh, this is what comedy is? I'm never going to see comedy again. That's true. I mean, that's I always like subscribe to the thought of like under promise over deliver. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, why would you? This next guy's the best comedian in the world. Like, why would you fucking say that? Or like, this guy smash it two weeks ago in front of me. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I thought he was hilarious in my living room. Yeah, but like, it's just I guess it's a different. I don't know, you can't really call it marketing because it's pretty direct marketing because the people are already there and they're not going anywhere. So it's, it's just lying sometimes. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of lying. Yeah. And plus, as a comic, like uh, I heard this, that, have you seen that Talking Funny panel? Mm. Uh, HBO with like Louis C.K., Chris Rock. and I love how much Chris Rock hates Ricky Gervais in that. That's my, oh my favorite God. part of it. I love when he goes, yeah, I do this for a living. Yeah. I didn't just write a script and have a TV show overnight. <laughs> but when they talk about... Um, uh, like the new material and how they all gain their new material and like what they want to see. Be like, you know, I want to see the new material. I want to see the act. It's interesting how mm-hmm. that's like a lifelong struggle with certain people and what they want to see. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, I think. <laughs> um, should, well, mine's my thought on it is is actually like Todd Berry and Did you ever see uh, I Am Comic? Yes. So Todd Berry in that uh, where he's just like I think you gotta 
like you don't have to bring new material, but if you do, then no one can complain. Yeah, I and like that. I think that that makes a lot of sense. I think there's something to be said for like honing, like honing the show and making it as good as you can and pulling everything out of it. Yeah. But, um, but I think for like if you want to have fans, which I think is a good thing that you have to have now, like superstardom is changing. Totally. And so we're not gonna get like the the Seinfeld huge very often anymore. Yeah. Like, people are going huge on TV and stuff right now. That's gonna collapse again. And so now because of the internet, what you need is like, like everyone's going to be an indie comic. And so you build your fan base. I think that I want to do the Chris Rock thing of appealing to everyone with what I want to do. Yeah. So like, I don't want to, um, this is actually, and I got into a, an argument about this the other night about the idea of pandering versus communicating. Okay. And I like uh, communicating things uh, to everybody, but I want to communicate what I want to communicate. And so I like that idea. And I think that to, to do that best, you have to turn over a lot of material. Or like I have to. Yeah. So like I turn I turn stuff over more than I polish it, which is a, a problem. Okay. But my stuff's polished enough that it works, and every time I bring out new stuff, I understand more about the polish. So like I polish with new material, so my overall ability grows. Where a lot of jokes that maybe could have been like big closers for me, I I discarded like a year ago. Wow. And so is that? Do you think? It, I just noticed here it seems like everybody. There's Edinburgh, which is just north of here, which is the largest art festival in the world. Yeah. And everybody here talks about their hours. Even newer comics here, like, all oh, working towards the hours. So you've done hours up there, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And our, our year isn't January to December. It's August to August. Wow. All based in Edinburgh. Yeah, completely. Everything rotates around Edinburgh. I took, I took this past summer off. I did my first hour two years ago. Uh, and then I took the next year off. And I went back to Canada. I mean, I was going to anyway. My mom died in May. So that made it more like, oh, it's good, that you, good thing I took this year off. Yeah. But taking that year off. Because spending a whole year just focusing on one hour, and it's not like an hour of stand-up like it is in the States, where like you're doing an hour of jokes and you just want to kill. If you do an hour of jokes and you just kill in Edinburgh, people are like, it's just jokes, fuck that guy. Like my, my favorite, the thing that keeps me going is that Chewed Up, the first like Louis C.K. Yeah. special, uh, got three stars across the board. Everybody was like, yeah, it's funny, but it's just jokes. In Edinburgh? In Edinburgh, yeah. Wow. So what they want is they want like a narrative. They want you to learn a lesson. Like the big joke is like if, if, if your dad dies, that's you're going to win the Edinburgh Award. <laughs> <laughs> because you talk through, oh, oh, it was funny, but it was sad. And now I'm angry. And this is what I learned about myself. And here's how we can all come together standing ovation it's it's more uh like performance oriented in yeah, terms yeah. of like a narrative plot line like in a movie yeah there's got to be a narrative it's a, it's more of a one-man show like and sort of a theater thing it's closer to like mike burbiglia yeah is like perfect for edinburgh Damn, so is that so that hour that you did there can you take that hour directly to a club here if you did an hour and want to translate yeah what about um, what about if you took it to the states i think so yeah yeah but i did i purposely wrote like jokes that i can just pull out so a lot of what was uh, my old 20 was all for my hour show. And a lot of guys can't do that. I, d I did it on purpose because I was working on two different goals. I wanted uh -huh. to get a new 20 and I wanted to write my hour. And I like the idea of, like I was saying, making everyone laugh and not just like the art crowd that goes. Yeah. I did, you know that class joke that I did? Yes. <clears throat> so I, I've got a joke where I, uh, I make everyone cheer for their class. Okay. Um, and it's partly like a That's social experiment. so funny. Uh, thanks. In <laughs> England, the, the class is like upper, middle, lower class. So you explain it. but it, Yeah. They don't like to be called lower class. They like to be called working class. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they get really upset about it because I used to say lower class and they were like, no, we're oh working my. class. And my line was always, oh, you can't pick your own nickname. <laughs> but, but it was easier to just go with working class to get everyone on board but i get everyone to cheer and it's like it's fun because it's uncomfortable and there's a release but um in edinburgh like because i go working class people give me a cheer nothing 
and I was doing it like it's not it wasn't in my show, but you do five ten minute spots all over the city okay. to kind of promote your show or make a little bit of cash on the side or just to fuck around. And uh, never, it was all middle class with a little bit of upper class. Wow! I was like, this is where your country's fucked. Damn. But nightclubs and uh, comedy clubs and shit mostly working class and a lot of middle class. And so you end up if you tailor towards Edinburgh, you miss out on the clubs, and if you tailor towards the clubs, you miss out on Edinburgh. And that's a real divide. There's Edinburgh acts and there's club acts. And like, there's more of a crossover now, but like over the last few years, I've seen a lot of people just be like, oh, it's fucking fringe acts with a bunch of like airy fairy. Wow. And, then, and Edinburgh acts were like these fucking club hacks. Look at them just telling jokes. Dude, you need to chill the fuck out. <laughs> that's amazing. Like the, when I first started, there's a like older comic who always like, like we were talking about this too, like where you have the mentor. Mm. Comic, yeah. and I remember him. He's like, you have to ask yourself, do you want to be a club comic or a bar comic? Okay, mm. that would be perceived now, especially in New York, as like, would you want to be a comedy club comic or an independent artsy comic, okay. right? But like, where I'm from, there's bar shows where it's like all deer hunters in a basement, yeah, and it's fucking like, uh, <laughs> I, I almost think like, who beats their wife will get like a standing ovation. Yeah, you know I mean, Christ. it's like it's a real different style of whatever. But then when you're exposed to a bigger audience and a bigger thing, it's so it's just weird how club comics and indie comics both exist in these separate parallels. Mm. But there has to be crossover, but they won't admit it. Yeah, completely. Yeah. So it it's is that similar here? Yeah, I think and it's a it's an ego thing, more than anything. Yeah. It's just it's just people taking stand up like way too seriously. It's like this is cool and we work really hard at it and it's so fucking impressive and I love it. But like, chill the fuck out. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> People get really like, what I do. I I hate anyone that self describes as an artist. Wow, that's funny. Like, I'm an artist. I'm an I'm an artist, and that doesn't just go for stand-ups. Like, it goes for like painters and sculptors and everything like that. Yeah. And it was like, as I was I was I was with a a, a a girl who like I would describe as an artist, but she never described herself as an artist. She was like, I do this and I do that and I'm a little bit of this. Yeah. Uh, but then we met people that were like her friends and they were like, oh, I'm a sculptor. And I'd be like, oh, cool. And they were always really interesting. Yeah. And whenever anyone was like, I'm an artist, it was like, then flip the feather boa. <laughs> just, I was like, just fuck you. Like, just, don't. Just stop. Bye. You're just good at a thing. Like, yeah. it's a skill and it's a craft and appreciate that. Don't make it this whole other. It'd be amazing if there's like a plumber that just is completely he was like I'm an artist I'm an artist yeah I, at least his art's useful yeah fair enough when you need it and he probably is the only artist making money like yeah, probably I mean, a lot carpenters carpenters yeah so, that can build things yeah. like oh he just does construction like oh you mean he can actually create something people need and use yeah right wow is there like a there's like almost like a pushback in the states to like trade schools like people learning a trade like not fucking going to school for HR like actually pattern making tool and die stuff like that is that similar here I think so. Um, I mean, I don't, like, talk to people. <laughs> <laughs> Just so, at them on stage? Yeah, I mostly yell at people for 20 minutes and then I go home. Yeah. Uh, but it seems to be that way from what I'm seeing. Is it, like you said, like, you talk to people. Like, you showed me, uh, he, <laughs> Chris has an amazing ability to find hidden spots in comedy clubs to hide from people after his sets. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't, like, talk to people after your sets, do you? No, not really. Yeah, like even the good job, man. Like you appreciate it, but you just don't want to be around it. Yeah, I'm not like I'm. I'm not gonna take compliments. I always feel really weird, uh, and I don't like, um, like more than anything. I I love like the only conversation I want to have after a show is either like really good constructive criticism, like from someone that I respect. Where I I love it if someone that I love goes, here's why this joke's bullshit. <laughs> that makes me so fucking happy. <laughs> I think because you can do something with that. 
Yeah. Whereas like a compliment, you just kind of have to, like, I don't know. I feel like I want to compliment the back. And I'm like, thanks. You were a great audience member. Good work. <laughs> yeah. Really sat there and laughed. Way to go. So I just, I just don't feel comfortable around people like in general. Like comics make comics are fine. Bartenders I really like. Yeah. But like like just people I don't I just feel uncomfortable. Is that um the more you do comedy, the more uh, socially anxious are you becoming? Yeah. Damn it, it's happened to me too. I ask every comic I interview about this, and it's like I'm a naturally people person. Um, but it's amazing because if you had asked me what my idea of a bar before I started comedy was, it was like oh, I like a club maybe with like a cool spot you go talk. But now it's like. Dark bar, mm. uh, booth you can hide in, yep. good drinks, and then just friends that are comics. Yeah, completely. And then that's it. Well, I think part of it is like, like because especially you know when you're on like a long car ride with comics and you can talk about anything. Yeah. And there's no there's no offending anybody. There's no setting your foot wrong. Yeah. If someone talks about something delicate, you can just be like, oh Jesus, like, yeah. Then what happened? Yeah. <laughs> and you don't have to play this weird dance that everyone else seems to have, where like I guess it comes from. Like I was talking to, uh, there's a great comic out here, Johnny Pelham. Okay. We were talking about people who come up to you about, because he's got a great bit about how like pedophilia is never right, but you, it's got to be easier to be a, a female pedophile. Like that's inarguable. That's funny. And he's got this beautiful joke about it. And he, he gets people coming up to him being like, you can't say that. And we were talking about like, what do you mean you can't say that? Like what a stupid Oh thought. my God. But as we thought about it, it was like, well, their whole life. If you're in an office, you can't say what you think. Yeah. Because you're part of this weird organism, and it feeds on itself. And so you need to be able to distinguish between what you think and what you say to this person and how you present it at a meeting and how you present it over a water cooler, except I might get back. And so if you're that conscious of things all the time, then you develop these rules, and everybody works within that. And, like, I get that. So, so then when you see someone on stage being like, but being a lady pedophile, I mean, it's pretty sweet. <laughs> then you got to be like, you can't, that breaks the rules that I've lived my whole life by. Yeah. Because that's how they live. But like with comics, you just be like, but seriously, didn't we all want to fuck our teachers? <laughs> 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 and everybody understands where you come from that. And so I think spending so much time around comics means that you just forget whatever rules you used to know. Yeah, and it's it's liberating, but then on the same time, it's limiting because when you're back around other people that don't subscribe to this life, mm. it's like ah. Well, that's what, it's like it's like standing in the middle of a cricket field. I don't know how cricket works, but like if someone's like, "Hey, you're playing cricket now," I'd be like, "I don't know what the fuck I'm doing here." I'm American. What the fuck's cricket? <laughs> it's, it's like it's like baseball with the wooden bat. I've seen King Ralph. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so like it's it's in that way of like you just don't know the rules. You don't know yeah. how to play that game. And everybody else does, and you, I just I just feel uncomfortable, and I'd rather be on my own. So I, my, my friend is in town in London here visiting, and we went out with her last night and her boyfriend. And she was telling like she came, she's from Chicago, and she saw me in Chicago at some shows. And she's like, "Yeah, the last time I saw you, you get really inappropriate when someone's being loud in the crowd." And I was like, "Okay," like, and then she, but she it was a moment for her, and I was like, yeah. "Dude," she's like, "What did you say?" And I was like, "I don't know." I was like, "I did this five times a day." Yeah, it's just like <laughs> I was like, "What." I, I don't know. It's like that's, but it's weird because like inappropriate. If someone were to hear that conversation over here, they'd be like, "Oh, Max, what did you?" I don't know. I just I I thought I dealt with this best I thought I could at the time. Yeah. I don't know. And my I, question is always, "Well, did people laugh afterwards?" Yeah. And she goes, "Yeah." It's like, well, then I dealt with them exactly appropriately. She said, "No, Max, they cried and ran out." And I was like, that, uh, "Now I'm Ashley. <laughs> now I'm Ashley Hayden, and uh, I'm success. I just don't have an English accent and a cute bowler hat yet." Yet I need to get one. I could yeah. tell you what. What's up with the full brim hats here? I kind of want one now. That no, no. It's like I mean, Ashley's like known for it. That's like his thing. That's his thing. Everybody knows Ashley. You, you see the hat, and you know Ashley's there. Oh god, that's amazing. Yeah. What about a look? That's like a look. Do you have a look? 
I don't know. People people recognize me because of my beard. Ah. Uh. But they also think I'm like twelve other people because all dudes with shaved heads, beards, and glasses look the same. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, t- you guys all. Totally I can. There's only time I can say this, but you guys all look the we same. All look the same. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you? Uh, uh, how? Because your accent obviously is North American. Yeah. Uh, how? You don't even mention it. Uh, like the first time I saw you perform, you didn't even reference the Canadian American thing. I try not to. Like, I love that. If I can avoid it, I, I don't see the point in saying it. Because <coughs> a lot of hosts here, my first guy here, were like, this next comic, all over the United States. Yeah. It's kind of cool if they don't say that. Yeah, yeah. I, well, it's, it, it's, it's just unnecessary. They're like, they're digging for something to make you worth the crowd paying attention to. I yeah. Mean, it feels, you know, just, they're just looking for anything. And people always ask me, like, oh, do you mind if I say you're from Canada? And I said, rather you didn't. Yeah. Because if... Like, because sometimes I can feel the tension because people will like hate you if you're American sometimes. Here. Yeah. Like they'll full on. Like I was saying the other day, uh, uh, an audience member came up to me afterwards and he's like, oh, I was really glad you mentioned you were Canadian about halfway through because up until then, like I hated you. <laughs> Dude, you need to like sort your life out. That's a real problem. I, but I thought you were from Nepal. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm repping Nepalese. We almost comedy. got in a fight at KFC with some blokes that were, uh, wow, that was those, those, those guys. Yeah. <laughs> And poor Ashley, who's supposed to be the one that stabs everybody, was like, "I'm from London." They're like, "We're in Australia." Like they they had him going. Yeah. Uh, they were they were proper bros. Well, he was giving them the reaction they wanted, and so they dug in. If we, <laughs> meanwhile, you're just saying that you're from Kathmandu. From Kathmandu, man. And like, I think we were talking about the schools there, or whatever. Though, and then he's like, "What? You're from Kathmandu?" I'm like, "No, dude, I'm American. What are you yeah, nuts?" Yeah. Like, no. He's just like, "But we all go back and forth with those countries. That's yeah. what we do there." Have you seen a lot of blowback in terms of like towards Americans here? No, there's a lot of, I think uh, I think there would have been, if Brexit had gone the other way, a yeah. lot of like, ha, you idiots, we didn't vote for this. But because Brexit went the way that it did, there's a lot of empathy. That's all I felt here, yeah. is empathy and even sympathy. Mm. It's like, wow, I'm sorry. Yeah, You guys uh, fell down to fear and hate tactics like we did. Yeah. And it's, uh, now, you, your personal life, now your girlfriend, do you live with her? Yeah. Now she's is she Iranian full bore? She's uh well her parents are Iranian, okay. uh, but she grew up in Holland and Iran. So she's got like she was born in Holland and so she's Dutch. Uh but she did like like a few months in Iran, a few months in Holland as a kid. So she speaks like Farsi and Dutch. She speaks like seven languages. Oh, Jesus. What is it with people here that can just do so much language wise? It's incredible. I mean that's Europe, like in it, English people speak English. That's right. That's it. Like, yeah. They're not interested in any other languages. They're full on like we're the empire. Fuck everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but, I get that. But in Europe, yeah, like everyone. I met. I met this kid. I was in Croatia, and he was like, "Yeah, I speak. I speak six languages." And I was like, "Why?" He's like, "Because that's just what we teach. It. They teach us in school." God. I was like, Jesus, what I would give. Like I speak French, which is amazing. Like I'm really glad that I do. <laughs> I speak French, which is amazing. I'm amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like it's so. I'm so glad that like I speak it. But when I meet, like, like my girlfriend and I were in a museum a couple years back, uh, and she just started reading the Latin text out of this old book, and I just started laughing. I was like, what the fuck are you doing right now? You don't what? speak Latin. Fuck Is you. it because you have the joke about your girlfriend after she came up to you for a show? Yeah, she asked me out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. And so what, what is she seeing being Iranian? Is she having some blowback in terms of racism? Yeah, she hasn't quite had it yet, uh, but she sees it, and she's worried about it. Like, our, our Pakistani friend had a bunch of it. Uh, like her mom got screamed at in a grocery store. This uh, is in Canada or here? This is here. Wow. Just some fucking big shaved head English dude just started screaming at her. Like she was just buying vegetables. She wasn't doing anything. She wasn't even speaking. Like she might have had, like she is, she's originally Pakistani, 
But there wasn't even like a trigger of maybe she has a Pakistani accent, which isn't acceptable. But yeah. It's like a common trigger for idiots. For sure. But she was just fucking buying vegetables, and this dude rocks up. And he's like, fuck you. We voted leave. Get the fuck out. Like, this is an old woman. God damn what are you, it. What are you accomplishing? That guy right so now is living his life, and I hate that. Yeah, but there's not a moment of it that's happy. That's, that's true. Yeah, yeah, it's like really angry. What do you think leads to that? Is that just ignorance and then ramped up with fear? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's so many fucking things. Just being an asshole? It's really hard. A lot of it's being an asshole. I think a lot of it in the UK, I can't speak for the States, but in the wow. UK from what I've seen is, um, like, you know how, okay, in the States, like, rednecks are the only people that it's, like, fine to openly mock. Yeah. Culturally, mm-hmm. I think you're seeing the blowback of that right now. Okay. And so I think it's the same here, where like people from the North or the Midlands have like open, people can just be like, man, Northerners are dumb. Yeah. And everybody laughs. Like even Northerners laugh. It's fucking weird. That is weird. That's, yeah. <laughs> so I think you're seeing a lot of like the marginalization of these people who in the 80s lost all the manufacturing and the mining jobs and stuff. And the government took it away and then didn't do anything, didn't help re-educate the area because it had been like mining towns for like a hundred years yeah and so that's all people knew you went you went to the mines and you worked there you went to the factory and you worked there and that was like part of the community identity and so when you take that away and then you don't replace it with anything and people just sit and stew about how they used to feel useful jesus then and you can't be mad you can't, if you're gonna take it out on somebody you can't be mad at people that you you can't take it out on that's why people aren't mad at bankers because what are you gonna do you're going to take down a bank or yeah. you're going to yell at an old woman who can't defend herself. Bullies uh, always pick weaker people. Uh, yeah. Bullies are always people that feel weak. That's interesting because uh, <coughs> living in New York being like, it's like London. It's a very progressive bubble for the most part. Yeah. Um, and the, when you hear people say like all the time, especially it shows, I don't know anyone that voted for Trump. I'm like, I know a bunch mm. where I'm from. A lot of people are like, yeah. it's that state is going blue. No, you know, blue, red, that's like across the shades. If you look, it's like every major city, mm is going to be liberal and then outside layers where we're going to be. Um, but it's weird because I think it's, it's gotten to a point too where it's not only that you mock these people, but now you're, get, you're adding it, you're ratcheting it up, you're calling them uneducated and then you're throwing words like deplorable in, which a lot of people don't know what it is. They Google it and they're like, yeah. oh, fuck this person. Yeah. But I'm like the hipster that's at the bar yelling, Bernie, Bernie, Bernie. Mm. In the morning, these old people are going to get up and they're going to go vote. I'm yeah. like fucking Chaz. Yeah. He's like, fuck this, man. I got this. It doesn't even matter. But. I think what's weird about the, the – and maybe this has always been nationalism, but the nationalism right now doesn't feel like it – like there's no pride to it. Like and empty? That's, that's like here or there. No, it's about, it's about a lack of identity because it's always like that's not American. Everything that is American is an adjective. Everything that's not American is a noun. Wow. And that's weird. That's a good woo. That's that's fucking weird to put it down like that. Yeah, it's, you're right. So there's no sense of who they are, and I think that this comes back to what I was saying earlier, where like they took away, like say a mining town, they took away the mining, and then they didn't replace it with anything. Not even education, so they could get into IT or anything. Yeah. Because everybody has abilities. It's stupid to write off a whole town that used to be mining and say, oh, you can't make 3D printers now. Yeah. You just need to be trained in whatever the fuck it is. So you invest in the training, and then it'll it'll work itself out. But they didn't. They just let them hang, and they made fun of them for taking government handouts. And so when you lose your sense of who you are, the only way that you can tether yourself is if you can't say, this is what I am, then you can say, well, I'm not them. And that's how I define. And so it's like, okay. it's If, like, if I can't be me, then I'm not them, and that's how I know where I stand. And so there's an inbuilt separation in their sense of identity. And so until they can build up who they are, they're always going to see themselves as not someone else. Wow. It's amazing what it does to a group of people when you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I was uh, in South Dakota. There's the there's a third world country within America. There's a few of them, but there's a giant one called Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. Okay. So like Lakota Sioux are at. It's a giant tribe. It's massive. It's right by the uh, Badlands, but there's no signs for it because no one wants to see it. It's yeah. it's like the average life expectancy of a male is 45. Uh, it's the same with uh, First Nations uh, reservations in Canada. Okay, same thing. Okay, so yeah, but I went there. I brought skateboards to kids there, and then my friends were doing a documentary on. So it's incredible to go there and see. Um, like 20 people live in one trailer. I mean, it's fucked, right? That there's signs to say like kill whitey all over the fucking place it's like yeah. really gnarly and uh when we were there um it's interesting because uh when the first like government came in and said okay we're gonna give you this land this property and they said okay well we know that alcoholism's a problem in the tribe mm-hmm. so we're not only gonna have this giant reservation we're gonna have an outline buffer area yeah. right that is um uh you're not gonna be able to buy alcohol even in that area even though it's not yours right so people couldn't walk to buy liquor okay. well then comes in truman's brother buys up all that area changes the rules so now there's a place called white clay where uh i think net revenue a year is four million dollars in booze just alcohol like at this two stores that are there Jesus. so you see people like pat I mean, it looks it looks like a ghost town but uh reason i got this topic was uh they basically told them like okay well this isn't working so what we're gonna do is we want you guys to become farmers where we got the subsidies from this company called caterpillar we're gonna buy you all this tractor equipment yeah. we're bringing out there. Meanwhile, the sewer hunter-gatherers, they're not fucking farmers, so yeah. they have no idea. So they send millions of dollars of this equipment. It rusts because they have no idea to use There's no training. Yeah. And then the government goes, oh, fucking can't even take a handout. And then the hillbillies go, oh, you fucking, you know, I wish I had a tractor for free, you yeah. fucking assholes. You know what I mean? And you see it's like, it, they were, they were, it was checkmate four moves ago. Mm. Like It's like not only did you not... You, you took away, oh, and now they can't even hunt on their own property. They're not even allowed to hunt fucking buffalo. Great. Because whites wiped that shit out. Yeah. My last name is White. Well, that was in. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your family did a, a I mean, not a, not a good job, but a bang up one of a terrible job. Uncle Gene's a crack shot. <laughs> but we, like in Canada, for First Nations Reserves, it's a, a they, they've got this rule where um, part of the treaty, which everyone keeps trying to pull back from them, was a, a free education, free health care, free dentist, free all that stuff, right? Uh, but it's all tied to living on the reserve. So we keep pushing the reserves out every time we find natural resources near them. Yeah. Uh, but then it's like, oh, you want to go to university for free? Well, you have to live on the reserve that's 12 hours away from the university. And not only do you have to live on the reserve, you have to live in a traditional way of life. Jesus Christ. So, you're trying to fucking study calculus and you've got a fucking torch. <laughs> yeah, you show up in a canoe. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> and so it's, it's the way that, like, the guy that was explaining that to me was, um, oh, actually, because the way that this came about, okay, I'll do that, and then I'll, I'll ask you this question, was um, uh, he was explaining, he was like, imagine if, because in Canada we have free health care, right? Yeah. And so um, he was like, imagine if the only way you could get free health care is if you couldn't use cars, you had to go around on horse and buggy, because that's a traditional way of life. Jeez. I was like, oh, shit, that is bananas. But, so the reason that I took that class, uh, I, I learned all this because I took a, a First Nations uh, politics in Canada class. Okay. Because one of my buddies gave me a really racist answer to my favorite question. <laughs> I was like, and I didn't know enough to argue against him. <laughs> and so I, um, uh, so I took this class to try to like build it up. And my question is, uh, and I'd like you to answer it if you don't mind. This is my favorite question. Well, let's go. If you could pick... Um, a group of people, and actually, anyone listen, if you want to tweet me the answer, at bets ain't funny, uh, I, I, this is fascinating to me, a group of people that you think are the most socially useless, and it could be any group, it could be left-handed people, it could be uh, people who... Cops. Cops? Cops. Cops, right off the bat. Cops. Cops. You think that they, they, they don't contribute to society. You said socially useless. Socially I th- useless, yeah. So, so well, I think it, it, it's a melting pot of people where even there's great cops out there, and I know them, but yeah. the problem is they have the worst cops. 
yeah. with them too. And there's a thing called the thin blue line, which is they'll look out for each other. Yeah. And so a bad cop can do bad things, and the good cop won't necessarily say or report them. Yeah. But I think if you have one group, and again, you can't say useless, and again, this isn't over, and it's but fire that's out the though. whole question. The whole point is useless. Yeah, I would yeah. say, well, let me put it this way. That's yeah. the only one I feel okay saying out loud that yeah. I can think about, though, because I really think that... I went to school. I did, like I minored in criminal justice, so I had to like audit the police academy and go through it as a law student. Oh shit! And uh, it was interesting to see the type of people that become cops. And again, I'm not saying all, and I'm probably fucking hack- racked by some cops on this one. Yeah. But uh, it's amazing because they'll they'll post videos of like, well, watch this cop throwing a football. Like, you know, this is mm-hmm. so great. He's playing with black kids. This is awesome. Yeah. But then when like, you know, like old boy goes and shoots fucking a black kid, they're like, oh well, fucking, we don't know the whole story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I think. It, because it's uh, did I answer your question? Kind of, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to think of another one. What are some other typical answers? Um, just in a, in a quick defense of guys, because I like to argue people's points just to see where they stand on them. Was a uh, uh, just for a useful thing. I was listening to an interview with a, an ex New York cop. Okay. And he was telling the story about he was like 18 months into the job, and he goes uh, um, he, he goes into this apartment building. There's there's this dude that's been missing for a while. And so the mom calls up. She's like, I don't know where my, where my son is. He's like in his mid to late 20s. He walks into the building. Kid's apartment is on the fourth floor. He says as soon as he walks through the door, he knows by the smell that the kid is dead. Oh, Jesus. And so it's like, dude, if you, 18 months into the job, the smell that you know is a corpse from four stories away, he's dealing with some stuff For that sure. you don't want to see. So yeah. I would argue that that's a useful social thing. That because he can smell a dead body. Well, the fact that he's dealing with things on that level, because otherwise it would be like the neighbor's... And you'd have to, like, if that was the dude that lived next to you, we didn't have cops, that would be your thing. Yeah, but I think it's socially useless in terms of it, they'll still be around. Like, you still have to have them in a place. Yeah. There's a cop in New York who's like, does open mics. He's a retired cop. He's a Harlem, Spanish Harlem, 80s and 90s um, homicide detective. Yeah. And uh, he, he does one liners. And then one day he was just like melting down stage and he goes, I preside over 1,000 murder investigations. And he starts naming shit. He's like, you remember when they found those bodies in the bags on Bell Parkway? We couldn't find the serial killer because he cut off her fingers. Oh. And I'm like, tell more of those stories. Like, and I still talk to that guy whenever I see him. I'm like, dude, I, that's what I want to hear about. Yeah. So it's like, uh, oh, God, I remember like the stories. Of one of my uh, instructors in college was the um, – uh, he was uh, international law enforcement. Okay. So he'd go to the triads uh, over here in Asia, okay. and they would basically like be brought in to research at these think tanks about how the drugs are distributed throughout the world. Okay. The most like fascinating fucking stories yeah. about how like cartels are untouchable. Like cops won't even arrest them. Like Jesus. when the drugs wash up on shore after a thing, they'll stack them neatly and leave them alone because if you don't, they'll kill your entire family. And you're like, Jesus. wow, that's amazing. So that's an idea of a cop being useful. I just think speci- <laughs> specifically, specifically one group. I mean, but. The whole idea is like, this is crazy because I asked my dad once. My dad is like a total Detroit former drill sergeant, um, like very military. I'm from a military family. Um, but it's funny because I asked him like five years ago. I was like, if I were in trouble, if I were a young boy, would you want me to go run help for a cop? And he goes, I don't know the answer to that anymore. Mm. Because like I grew up getting arrested for skateboarding. I was put in the back of cop cars when I was eight years old without being read my Miranda rights. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, I got pulled out of class once by this one cop because there was flowers trampled at the skate spot. I got pulled out of learning. Wow. Publicly, like, whatever. And I'm from a nice, like, area. Like, yeah. where I'm from is a nice area. There's batteries around it, but, like, it's a nice, you know, area. It's like a, you know, good public schools yeah. type thing. So, 
What are other common answers to the useless thing? Um, uh, my favorite one. I mean, the one that the one that made me take the class was someone said First Nations. Yeah. And I was like, all right, fuck you. And he started quoting all these things, but it was like like Breitbart facts. Okay. And so it's like, I know this is bullshit, but I don't know the actual facts to argue against you. Ah, at least uh, you admitted so I, it. So I took that class, and now and now I'm more well versed. But like, uh, my favorite answer, and it wasn't my answer. My answer is models. What? I think models are pointless. Oh my god, I can't. I, the, that's the last like, interview on here is fashion model Cecily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's like I, I just, I think that I'm not saying she's a bad person. Models yeah. Are fine. I've, I've, I've known some models that are cool people, but like as a group, socially they are a loss. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, we're in the red on models. But who would make your girlfriend feel bad about when certain things don't work? Oh, and I, I mean, I, I anyone in the street. That's what. <laughs> I go on sets for fashion a lot for like writing around. So a lot of my friends work in it. And the the fact is that it's mostly a lie. Like when you see those suits in magazines, you're like, how does that suit fit that guy so well? Mm. They would have clamps that go on the back. The back yeah. Yeah. And it, when I learned that, I was like, it is all a lie. Like I stopped shit. even giving a shit about how stuff, certain stuff fit. And I was like, this is bullshit. So you say models. Models though. is my is my answer but Man. but my favorite answer was gold diggers that's really funny I was like, shit that is you nailed it that's absolutely correct. that's a good one good answer oh or uh oh i never heard this term until i visited tamar in la it's uh social anxiety not social anxiety uh status anxiety oh what's that it's where people in la not just la that's all over la i saw a high concentration of they're so concerned about who they are status wise that they won't be seen talking to people at a party oh. they have to establish what you do and what you can do for them oh, before they'll like yeah. hang around though yeah, yeah, yeah so like they're uh, like uh status climbers or like ladder climbers whatever oh, yeah. you call them like yeah, that, climber, yeah just climbers yeah. god i feel like the gold diggers is good gold diggers is really good yeah but wouldn't you want to have a sugar mama wait uh no because i i i have like a weird I can only be turned on by someone who's like quick. What do you mean quick? In bed? Quick is in like like can either uh, like rip into me yeah. or rips into other people and is like really clever about it. I like like I like a, a sharp mean girl. Nice. And so like my girlfriend is like she fucking she just tear people in half. It's beautiful. It's so funny. Turns me on. Like it's crazy. <laughs> Does friend, it for me. My friend used to laugh at me. He'd be like he we we'd be in bars back when I was single and he and he'd be like man yeah you. When you see a girl and she's like just pretty, you're like who gives a shit? There's like a thousand pretty women everywhere, and but as soon as you hear someone rip on someone, you're immediately like, "Hi there, my name's Chris. How are you?" That's <laughs> it's amazing. Big, it's my biggest turn on, and so I feel like I don't know. Maybe I just haven't met that gold digger. <laughs> if you're out there, <laughs> with a Twitter feed, yeah, I can barely afford my rent, but you know, maybe one day. Is it here too? It's really funny in New York, and I always talk about this. New York is the last place on earth where anyone should attempt to lie about how much money they have. If anything, go the other way with it, because you're surrounded by it. like in Manhattan, like Bill Gates is probably considered new money. Like that's how I mean, there's shit. Rockefellers and shit there, yeah. and so it's really funny though. That's why, like, about being a comic is like. Nobody can afford the rent. You know, like, it's yeah, like, it's really like I stopped complaining about not having any money a couple of years in because everybody was like, yeah, that's all of us. <laughs> we're, not, we're all broke. It's kind of hack. Sh- shut the fuck up. It's like, and then it goes, oh, I'm depressed. I'm going to go kill myself. Yeah. Like, no, you're not. You can't even fucking, you freak out when there's no Wi-Fi. Like, yeah, you're going gonna to put a gun in your mouth? <laughs> like, there was uh, doing. I had someone else come up to me to tell me something about a class. Uh, that's my. That's one of my favorite things about that joke is people come up and they tell me class stories. Yeah. And one was he was saying that he knew some like real upper class people, and the way that they described the difference between them and someone that he would have thought is really upper class. It's like this like old money upper class person is like, like well, like, no, he's just. He's the type of person who buys his furniture. 
what, what? the fuck does that even mean? Oh my god! As opposed to like having hundreds year old like sofa that's just handed down throughout the family, like Napoleonic chaise longue. Oh my god! That's how he distinguished between this dude. That that's everyone else would be like, "You're the same." He's like, "No, no, no this guy buys his furniture like a piece of shit." <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know it's like next level. Have you seen the movie The King's Speech? Oh yeah, yeah. I love the part though when he like owes him for the bet, and he's like, "I don't carry cash." Yeah. <laughs> and there's uh, my friend cuts hair in New York. He's like a stylist, and uh, we went out with this client two years ago, and they're one of them's a, like a Vanderbilt or something, whatever. One of these uh, old money names, and it wasn't Anderson Cooper, much to my chagrin, because that man's beautiful. Would you let Anderson Cooper go down on you? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're you're gay if you don't. Yeah, that's I had what to I'm think trying. About it for a second. Yeah, of course. You're like, yeah. Look at that gray hair. Yeah. yeah. But we were there, and she so was symmetrical. Yeah, yeah, she's just perfect, and he's informative yet not uh, over the top. Like yeah. he's just yeah, he, he, and he's gonna tell you something you don't know right Absolutely. when you're done. Afterwards, yeah, he's gonna. He's like, oh, by the way, did you know the chief tributary of the Mississippi Rivers of Missouri? And you're just like, thanks, uh-huh. Anderson Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> now get the fuck out of my apartment before my dad comes home. Now, uh, did you see? Uh, <clears throat> did you have a coffin? Um, shit, I lost my train of thought. Uh, we were talking about um, really, really rich people. You were oh, at yeah. Vanderbilt. The Vanderbilt, uh, whatever then. Probably not Vanderbilt, whatever the fuck they were. But they're, uh, they were saying, they're like, what's a budget? And like Hans and I, my, my buddy and I were explaining to him. And she's like, are you serious? Like, what, what is that? Oh, and like, man. at the time, like, you know, like they, they, they just had no concept of it whatsoever. Oh, yeah. But they also, they wouldn't go to Brooklyn. They were afraid to go to Brooklyn because their grandmothers and mothers and they, they don't go to Brooklyn. Even oh, though Brooklyn is like more expensive than certain parts of Manhattan. Shit. But she's like, no, we don't go like, we, do, we go to like, Lower East Side occasionally to go slumming at the bars, but they generally just stay around like Midtown, yeah. Upper East, Upper West Side. Because they're prisoners. And they're fucking bored out of their minds. Yeah. They're so bored. There's a really good documentary called Born Rich. Yeah. It's like really good because it's really bad. Have you heard of it? Okay, no. So it's Jamie Johnson. He's a, he's a Johnson and Johnson here. Oh, shit. And so when he found out, but they, the way his family's raised is like they don't talk about money. And when he turned 18, they're like, by the way, you don't need to have a job ever. Mm. And so he interviews his dad and his dad's like, get the camera out of my face. But he's like, yeah. he does it on the slide and he goes, uh, Dad, I'm 18. I want to be, I want to. I need a job. What do I do? I want to go to college. And instead, it's like, listen, you don't need to do that. Mm. Do what makes you happy. Like, for instance, I collect maps. And it, oh, and, it, and it cuts to him, like, going through these maps that are, like, like 1825 in New York. Like, <laughs> hand drawn. He's like, this is so, so rare. And you're like, this is so fucking crazy. So fucking weird. How it is, though. I've been, I, I've been thinking about this recently and about how, like, wanting money after you have a certain amount is so childish. Yeah. That's a really like weird goal. It's not it's like what can you do though? Can you do anything? That's it. and so many of them like can't like man, can I ever spot an old map? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get that. Have you ever like hung out with like uh, ultra wealthy people before? No. Or wealthy? No. Uh and my experiences with them, it's amazing how careless they are with other people's money. Ah, uh, yeah. I just saw this when I uh when I used to work in business, I had a client that was like that way and uh he I noticed with his friends, because like, I'd go golfing with him, he'd borrow money all the time. And I got the distinct impression that he never paid it back. Yeah. He'd be like, oh, I didn't bring any cash. You got this? And it was like you know, like a $200 bar bill. Yeah. And like, not that the guys would tell me they didn't pay it back, but you could kind of tell. I was like, all right. Like, right. this is like, Jesus yeah. Christ. Oh, okay. And then this is the last rich. So there's this kid that I grew up with, and he went to University of Michigan. Yeah. Which is like a Richie school, and uh, they had this kid that lived on this on the sofa like all year long, right? And uh, he was like the guy on the couch, right? Everybody took care of him and like give him food. No one knew this kid's history, right? Yeah. And um, so basically, 
Thanksgiving came around. My friend was younger in college, and uh, they're like, "Hey, man, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? Like, do you do you want to come home with us for the family?" It's like, "No, nah, my 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 parents got me. Uh, I'm flying home. My parents, you know, whatever, fly me home." They're like, "Oh, that's awesome. Do you ride to the airport?" They're like, "Ah, oh, do you mind? That'd be really cool. Mind you, all year long they've been lending this kid money, bringing him out, giving him beer money because they're just wow. let him stay rent free, right?" Jesus. So they get to the Detroit Metro Airport, and there's he's like, "Which terminal is it?" And they're driving up, and uh, he's like, uh, "It's the far one." He's like, "No, dude. Like, my dad's a pilot. Like, this isn't." Um, it's not, you know, it, it can't be that one. He said, no, yeah. just trust me, it's that one over there. They fucking drive out there, private jet pulls up. Yeah. Fucking kid is a goddamn trust fund baby. And then come to find out, when he got back after break, I mean, they, they went out of pocket for him, and my friends are not rich people. Yeah. And uh, so for one year, these super wealthy families, kids will go on these, like, slumming, slumming it things. It's like when Mormons go into the world. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, a rum springer for Amish people. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but then they saw him like a year later at school, and he was just like a total rich fucking arrogant prick. He was just totally. Dude. That's weird. That's so, so weird. That's that's that song, Common People. Yeah, totally. <laughs> he he is a song. We had uh, uh, I heard this story about uh, a super rich person recently where there was like um, it was like a country wedding in the UK. Okay. And so they rented out all these cottages, and everybody went, and they were all like sort of middle class to upper class kind of people there. And uh, the it was this this girl that I know, and she was staying in a house with like three strange dudes. Just like like friends of friends, yeah, um, and they just got organized there. She was on her own, and it was cool. But like, she went into the uh, she went to the bathroom one day, and it was like like a fucking crime scene in there, like real, like someone destroyed that toilet and wow. just left it. Nice. She's like, ah, oh, Christ. So she just cleaned it because she couldn't fucking deal with it. And then she comes back like the next day, same shit, like exactly the same. And then she like did some detective work. <laughs> She's like, I need to know who this is. Found out who it was, and it was a super rich dude. And she, she sort of went to him trying to be, like, super middle class about it. I yeah. can't even be as delicate as she definitely was with euphemisms and wording. Yeah. And but she essentially was like, who do you, like, I've been cleaning up your shit. <laughs> who do you think does that when you just leave it? And he's like, I don't know. Wow. Because every, like, his whole life he's just had people that cleaned up whatever fucking mess he left behind him. He's like Eddie Murphy in Coming to America. Yeah, completely. He just destroyed a toilet and then immediately a maid would come in, clean it up. So it didn't even occur to him that that wouldn't be taken care of somehow. Because there's never been him needing to follow through on something. And so that, and he said it not even like, like confidently, like kind of confused and with like a little bit of, oh, never even occurred to me. <laughs> Jesus. Dude. He's like, you probably buy your own furniture. Yeah, I just uh, buy a new toilet every time. I, I, just, <laughs> I buy a new house when I get it dirty. Uh, one thing I'm going to do before we wrap up here is I ask every com- comedian comic, what's the difference between comedian and comic? Uh, but the best. Uh, uh, description that I heard isn't mine, uh, but I'll quote it. And it was Carl Reiner, and he said, uh, uh, "Comics say funny things, comedians say things funny." Mm. I think that's that's it. a keeper. Yeah. No, that's been referenced a lot. I like that one. I think it's 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 succinct and perfect. There's no fat on it. Like even that yeah. is tight. Like yeah, Carl Reiner in his 80s or whatever the fuck he is, 107, still so good. Uh, so good. I've been asking <laughs> every comedian comic that comes here, uh, what advice do you have for new comics? Other than get on stage more, because everybody just says that. That's dickish. Um, I'd say that uh, uh, I think the thing that helped me the most is um, know that when someone gives you advice, especially when you're new, uh, they're not telling you how you would say the joke. They're telling you how they would say the joke. And Mm. so if anyone gives you notes, don't take it to heart. Like, watch their set and see oh, that's your voice. You're not listening to me. And so, like, work on your own shit. Like, every now and then you can get a great note from somebody, but most of the advice that I've gotten is someone telling me their shtick. And it's like, that's not how I sound. 
and that would have fucked up my comedy if I'd taken a lot of the advice that people gave me. That's weird how that works that way. Well, we're all super self-involved people. Yeah, we're not nice. And also, like, like developing your voice is like the main thing, right? You want to find out how you present ideas and how you say things. And so naturally, especially when you're new and you're still figuring it out, you're trying to figure out what you do. And so that's kind of, it just takes over your whole mind. Like it was an obsession for like five years. Yeah. And now I'm finally getting to a point where I've, I think I've got an idea <laughs> of wh- where I might be going, but it's like the, the closest I've ever been by far. But for years it was kind of all I thought about. And so I totally get it. Yeah. But it's like, it's, 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 it's just important to know that most of the time when people give you advice, they're telling you how they would do it, not how you, what would make your way better. That's perfect. That's very succinct. Oh, thanks. It's really good. Uh, I think we're going to wrap it up on that. Real quick, uh, tell everyone your website and where they can find you on social media. Uh, my website is uh, chrisbetsisntfunny.com. Two T's. Two T's. chrisbetsisntfunny.com. Uh, on there, I've got links to my, uh, my Instagram, my Twitter. Um, my Instagram is chrisbetsisntfunny. Uh, and I don't have any pictures of anything of people. I just do chalk graffiti. Like really dumb stuff, like what we did in the alley. We did that the other night. I like that Ashley wrote, "We are all cunts." I yeah. have photos of all of our shit. <laughs> that's amazing. So he's so yeah. So I've always got chalk on me. So that's all my Instagram is, um, and uh, uh, my Twitter is bets b e t t s ain't a i n t funny. So bets ain't funny. Um, and Facebook, you just look up Chris Betts. I'm out there. And all your shows are tour box on tour box. Yes. So everything that's on there. How far are you booked out? Um, um, booking May right now. Nice. All right. For me, it's uh, at this is Max White on Twitter, Instagram, and at this is MaxWhite.com. Max White, everyone. See something funny. It wasn't funny. I guess I'll just call it Max White presents. I guess it's decent. Yeah, Max White presents will work.